Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry at Midwestern Seminary and the author in residence. We have a really serious subject to talk about today, something I'm really, uh, in a way, if I can say, uh, oddly enough, excited to talk about, mainly because it's such a needful thing to discuss. Pastors everywhere right now seem to be really struggling. We may be sort of in the tail end of church shutdowns, at least in the United States and other places perhaps as well. And there is sort of signs of optimism, but there's a lot of pastors coming out really beat up, really weary, really run down. And this has been an ongoing thing for uh, about a year and a half, you know, a year and a half uh, related to the pandemic, but it's not a new thing and it's not a pandemic related thing. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, with my guest today uh, something called uh, that he has termed pastoral PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. You may be familiar with in some capacity, but relating it specifically to the vocation and the experience of pastoral ministry. Um, we've got Jeff Metters on the program today. Jeff has been a church planter and pastor. He's currently equipped director at Risen Church and a staff member at the Risen Collective in Houston, Texas. And he's host of the Acts 29 Network podcast, author of a few books, including Humble Calvinism. But today he's here, uh, he's here to talk about a blog post that he wrote for us a few years ago, actually, the concept at least uh, discussed in that blog post, simply titled Pastoral PTSD. So what I'd like you to do, listeners, actually, um, you, you can press pause if you haven't read that, and you can go look it up or just make a note to go check it out on the For the Church website. Go to ftc.co. And you can search pastoral PTSD and find that post. But I thought it was something that we should really talk about. So, Jeff Metters, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jared. Thanks for having me on, brother. Yeah, um, you've been on before. I always enjoy um, speaking with you. We actually talked yesterday for one of your podcasts. And um, I just thought, hey, uh, because of some things I've been seeing on social media in particular, and I had a you know an article last week that was a bit, uh, essentially about pastoral minister, uh, ministry and anxiety and kind of the impact, yeah. you know, the impact of anxiety. And that got a lot of traction. And then some, you know, some other guys were posting things about the dropout rate uh, right now. And, you know, you know, a lot of it's anecdotal, but man, it's just like a lot of guys beat up, a lot of guys getting chewed up and spit out. And I, it just made me think of your posts, which I referenced in my article as well, mm-hmm. and thought it might be good to have you on. So before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, I wonder if you could just kind of give some of the background of that blog post. What prompted you? What was the, yeah. you know, the story? That sort of prompted it. Yeah, I can I can remember. I think I released that and wrote that for you guys. I think it was 2015. I mean, it's been it's been a while. And if I look back, you know, try to dial back the the calendar and the mind, do all the little time machine work there. I can remember sitting in my office at the time, the the church I was at, and you know, you get just like every pastor, you get requests for coffee, um, you get requests to go out to eat, uh, you get an invitation to to go somewhere, and it's usually just something as simple as Hey, pastor, can we talk? And I noticed that over time, these slowly turned into uh, many tiny anxiety fits to where the, the automatic assumption was, oh, great. Uh, what, what fight am I going into? Yeah. Um, oh, great. What did I do wrong? Or, oh, great. Um, they're leaving the church or whatever. And, and sometimes these meetings were very, they were wonderful. They were encouraging times, just wanting to have fellowship. Um, but I found I found myself kind of having this flinch 
um, this little hitch in my soul that, okay, this, this can't be healthy. This can't be good. And as I sat and processed this and I just realized, like, I think I have a version of PTSD, not to, not to disparage or minimize um, clinical PTSD or anything that, that people experience, but that there was this kind of rewiring or misfiring in my heart that I, I think in some ways was warranted and in some ways was also a, a lack of trusting in the power of Christ, which I know we can get into, but I think that's kind of the genesis of it, of, of years and, and years of just some garden variety, you know, church conflict, um, some very intense church conflict. And it just, it created this, this storm inside my soul. Yeah. It, it, it does a kind of rewiring, doesn't it? Of, of, of one's nerves. If, if you, you know, if your experience is every time you walk into, or not every time, but it's just a significant number a majority, or, yeah. Or, yeah, or a significant event of walking into certain meetings or, you know, um, you know, certain sessions, if your experience is something that is hurtful, it, it, it makes you jumpy, <laughs> right? It makes you a little, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it frays the nerves a little bit and that stuff tends to stick around, um, you know, beyond that. Uh, and you know, it, it even has for me. So, you know, when we came to Kansas city and I'm not a pastor at our church, I'm, you know, I'm a lay person. But going to the members' meetings, I, I just found myself so kind of jumpy at these or, you know, mm. just kind of, you know, nervous at these, just waiting for somebody to, you know, start something or say something divisive or, or right. And, and it didn't happen. But every time I would go, I just, my nerves were shot because of my experience. And that was me kind yeah. of looking back. And, and, and like you, I don't want to, you know, try to um, elevate this or downplay those who suffer with PTSD from, you know, uh, significant abuse and, 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 and things like that. But I will mention, because I've, you know, put that caveat in a few things that I've written where I'd say, you know, it's similar to, uh, you know, what happens to first responders and, you know, people in, mm. you know, who work in crisis situations you're always in the red line. So even if you're, you, you know, you're not going into conflict, but if you're just you know, have a heavy ministry situation. And so you're just always in the red line constantly. And, and so you're approaching burnout levels kind of thing. Like that affects your body. Well, I mentioned this and said, look, I'm not trying to compare it to, you know, those who rush into fires or, you know, police officers who, and I've right. had a few people actually reach out and say, in fact, one, uh, one lady reached out and say, so my husband's been a pastor and a police officer. And I know this is oh. just, I know this is just his experience. But he says he he still uh, feels more affected by his time as a pastor than he does My in law goodness. enforcement. So I, I you know I have mm. at least that one anecdotal example of somebody saying you know don't be too um, you know hard on yourself in terms of you know putting these caveats out there. But it's a yeah. it's a serious thing, and I think most people who haven't been in vocational ministry or who haven't served in pastoral ministry or church leadership of some kind um, they have a a difficult time understanding this, don't they? Like they, yes, they think absolutely. it's it's kind of you know you're throwing a pity party for yourself, or it can't be that hard. You just get up on Sunday and talk, you know, kind of. Thing. Yeah. Why do pastors, uh, you know, help those who may not understand, or uh, you know, give some uh, encouraging "you're not alone" kind of speak to those who do? Yeah. Why is it, um, you know, why is this a special case? Why um, do pastors struggle with kind of carrying these loads? You know, I think there's such a unique aspect to pastoral ministry that that's often overlooked. Um, and even within, you know, if a church has a plurality of elders, 
that even among the eldership, you know, there is uh, hopefully equal authority and, um, and and carrying of loads of leadership responsibilities. But uh, but whoever is doing the bulk of the preaching, um, it just kind of goes with the territory that people in the church look at them differently and think about them differently. That you know, if someone's in the hospital and the lead pastor is not able to go, that the senior pastor is not able to be there, but another pastor goes. Sometimes that's unsatisfactory for people. And people send emails and make phone calls and say gossipy type things like, you know, Pastor Joe's just not around. He just doesn't care. Uh, You know, meanwhile, Pastor Joe is at the Alzheimer uh, facility uh, ministering to somebody there and writing a sermon. And but since Pastor Joe couldn't serve this person, now there's some hatred going on. Um, And this, this is one of the few jobs to where one of the few callings in life where it seems as though pastors have to hear um, the griefs, the complaints, the heartache, the sufferings, the, I think the, the gossip, the slander of, let's just say 200 people and, and have to endure all of it. Yeah. And, and the opinions that go separate ways, they have to, especially in 2020, a variety of opinions over racism and politics and, and COVID procedures and all of that, that they have to deal with 200 different opinions out there and serve 200 different people where the congregation is just looking at the pastor. Um, so there, I think there's just a disproportionate level of involvement um, that really just becomes a burden on pastors and just wears them down. As Paul talks about that he has the daily pressure of yes. the churches on him. That's just the normal stuff. And then, you know, the Corinthians, they're, they're really close to canceling Paul. The Galatians are having a, a big problem. Um, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of his churches are struggling and it's reflected in Paul's prayers as well. And, and that he is struggling, um, that he's got a thorn in the flesh, that his friends abandoned him as he, he tells Timothy, but the Lord stood by him. And so I, I think we see some of this in Paul, even in the book of Acts, when he's, it seems to be, he's kind of afraid of what's coming. And Jesus speaks to him and says, don't worry, I have many people in this city. And I think Jesus speaks to him in that way because Paul's, I think he might be having a little hitch in his soul as well. I mean, Paul's not Superman that, man, this is going to be hard. I'm going to get beaten again. I'm going to get chased out of town again. I got the the Jews from this other city who are following me and heckling me from town to town. This is going to be hard, Lord. And he says, I know, and I'm with you. And I, I think pastors, especially after 2020, I mean, good grief, ministry was already so hard. And then you add this this cocktail of of situations. And I, I just would want to encourage pastors that to to really to really examine their their souls and examine their hearts and see how maybe their behavior has changed. Um, how, like I noticed in myself back when I wrote that article five years ago, Jared, that I began to just fear people in the church. Um, some of them I think were legitimate uh, enemies and (laughs) hence some of them were not, but I was afraid and it's, it's hard to shepherd people that you're afraid of. Um, and and so you've really got to lean into that and maybe go see a counselor or whatever. I'm sure we'll talk about that kind of stuff too, but I, I think to, an, to answer that original question, I think there's just so much that goes on, uh, burdens, that normal burdens. And then when you get hate mail, when you're in fight after fight, um, you, you just, you get a little wounded and um, there's some healing that needs to occur. Yeah. You know, 
what you mentioned just in terms of you know Paul talking about the you know the anxiety uh, that he feels his his you know anxiety for all the churches the the daily pressure Th- that's yeah. something I think that a lot of people who haven't been in the pastorate uh, don't quite get because there are people who care about their church and you know there are zealous members who um, in the good sense they really care about their church they yeah. you know they think about their church they, they got serve the church, their church logo on their car that's yeah. right yeah everything. Um, but then there's, you know, the good pastor who knows that he's going to have to give an account for the church in a way that the the average member will not. I mean, we're all going to be accountable for yeah. our own attitudes and our own actions. But, you know, the pastor who, who, who realizes this flock has been stewarded to me, and like you mentioned, you take 200 or whatever the number is, all of those people, you know, most of us who aren't pastors, we think about, you know, we think about our church in some— you know, in some respects that way spiritually, but we're kind of carrying the, you know, burdens of ourselves, our family, our immediate circle. Yeah. The, the pastor is carrying the weight of, I'm responsible for, for this body, for this, for this flock. Yeah. And I can tell you that, that kept me up at night. I, I sleep a whole lot better since I haven't been a pastor. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that was why, because I would, I would lay awake and just, I'm, you know, I couldn't turn it off. You're just constantly yep. thinking. Yep. And then, you know, the thing that you mentioned, you know, the you know, presumption. So what happens is you're constantly thinking about them and caring for them in different ways, but no one's seeing everything that you're doing, right? You're caring for Joe, right? and Jane doesn't see that. And I remember there was one week in particular where there was a crisis situation that, I, that you know, took me out of the office every day, and I'm involved in this kind of family crisis situation. Well, I had somebody who was stopping in, and, you know, and every time they popped in, I wasn't there, and it became a thing Jared's not around. Well, I'm not, you know, mm. posting publicly, hey, I'm counseling so and so right now and our church was small enough that even if I, you know, you made it anonymous, it would have created a little, oh, well, gosh, what's going yeah. on? Who's, you know. So I couldn't really broadcast what was going on and I was just hoping that people would, you know, you know, believe all things, hope all things and and think in a loving <laughs> way that I'm not just sort of like abandoning and being lazy and and that sort of thing. And that's yeah. what's really hurtful is the people who make these kind of assumptions and then they kind of, you know, spiritualize, you know, they weaponize their assumptions and they spiritualize their disappointments and everybody thinks they could do it, uh, you know, better than you, (laughs) Yeah, you know, absolutely. um, It's, yeah. uh, I mean, I think if we, like, if we leaned into first Corinthians 13 and asked church members, like, am I loving towards my pastor? Am I, am I patient towards my pastor? Am I kind towards my pastor? Um, am I tenderhearted? I mean, if you went through, am I not arrogant towards my pastor? Am I not boastful towards him? I mean, you could just go down this list of things and go, here's what a loving church member should act like towards their pastor that even if they disagree or they have a concern or whatever, um, to think through the categories of love. And because knowing like, man, your pastor is carrying so much. And and I think true biblical pastors, you know, that, that daily pressure, that anxiety for the churches, it's not for, hopefully it's not for the size of the church and, and the uh, the how well they're known in the community and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But for the people that for their souls, that it's heartbreaking when they have to carry out a church discipline case to the fullest degree. It, it's heartbreaking to hear people um, ruin their lives from, from one uh, chance, you know, with a sin. Um, it's heartbreaking to see things that, that happen in, in people's hearts and, and then they have to go deal with pettiness and then have to deal with conflict and then have to deal with people arguing about things that are just non-essential things. 
it, it's exhausting because we're not making widgets. Right. Uh, we, we can't, we don't clock out at 5 p.m. and then wake up the next day. It, it is a 24-7 calling. And man, it's tough. Yeah. The, the end of Hebrews 13 where we're told not to give our our leaders, our church leaders, cause to groan, right? We don't want, mm, we don't want yeah. to you know give them to cause you know essentially to uh, you know obey them and submit to them and and don't give them cause for groaning. And I just think, oh man, is that a text that um, yeah. I, you know a lot of preachers probably wish that they could you know preach? You, yeah, you, you gotta know. have a guest the guest preacher come in and then do that one. Well, and, that yeah, one, I think I did preach. That it. might be Actually, one of the. <laughs> Did you? I, was, I think that, I did. that's probably one of the most like underobeyed passages in the, oh, in the New sure. Testament. I for would sure. Think. And I, I used it a little bit, I think, in Imperfect Disciple or one of my books where I, you know, essentially talk about being a low maintenance church member is, yeah. you know, something to kind of pursue. And that's sort of, you know, where I've taken, uh, you know, my place now. You know, I serve the church in a different, you know, in a different uh, capacity now. But I think my primary ministry there is to be as low maintenance a church member as I possibly can. Um, and because I don't, you know, my goal, having been on the other side of it, my goal is that when my pastor, you know, any of my pastors see me coming, they're thinking, oh, great, here comes Jared. And not, oh, great, yeah. here comes Jared, you know, that, yes. that they're not like having to hold their breath or clench their teeth or, you know, I want them to be able to to be themselves. And, and um, you know, and that's my my goal for them is, you know, is to be a restful presence, to be a life-giving presence. And yeah, I wish more church members would take that seriously. Yeah. The one thing I was going to say is, you know, we've both heard Ray Ortland say this before that, um, you know, no one's ever been too encouraged. No one's ever right. over encouraged. I, I would take it and just apply it so strongly to your pastors is that you'll never be faulted for sending an encouraging email. You'll, you'll, he'll, you'll never frustrate him by sending an encouraging text or just grabbing him after Sunday morning, just say, thank you for preaching this word, the word this morning. It's so blessed me. Um, you can go above and beyond encouraging them because they need it. And you'd be surprised at how under-encouraged, I mean, you and I wouldn't be surprised at how under-encouraged right. pastors are. But I, I think the average church member would be, would be surprised. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, most, uh, pastors aren't airing this dirty lawn, you know, you know, aren't airing their grievances or wearing their feelings on, you know, on their shirt sleeves. They're not, you know, hashing it out from the pulpit or, or complaining about it on social media. I mean, some are, I suppose, but um, I don't, you know, tend to see that people complaining about their congregations or anything. You usually, yeah. don't, you usually don't hear about it until the guy collapses or has to quit or, or something like that. Um, and I want to acknowledge because, you know, someone may be listening and just thinking this is all overblown and, and, and they're thinking, gosh, my pastor is a real jerk or I've served under pastors who were bullies. And, you know, you know, let's acknowledge there are abusive pastors that are disqualified, you know, pastors who are disqualifying themselves through their behavior. We know that there is such a thing as, as domineering. You know, Peter warns elders about being domineering in, in his, right. uh, you know, list of qualifications and um, and so we, we, we know that that happens. That's talked about a lot, however. What's not talked about enough, I think, is the kind of domineering congregation <laughs> or the, yeah. um, and it's usually not the whole thing. So let's be honest too about that. Like it's, it's, it's usually just a, an animated or mobilized minority of people who, who, who operate that way in a sea of passive or, or ignorant. And I don't mean yeah. that in a, you know, in an insulting way, they're just not aware um, exactly, you know, flock. So you have this kind of cell that operates um, in in the spirit of antagonism, um, and we don't talk about that enough. 
um, I don't think. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but um, what would you say to pastors? So, you know, I want to circle it back around to this, you know, gosh, you, you, you're feeling kind of tense. I talked to a pastor last week. He said, I'm having heart, you know, palpitations and, you know, went mm-hmm. to the doctor and, and, and basically they said, you, you know, there's, uh, you need to cut back on, on the amount of stuff you're doing. It's not just, you know, you're eating fine. Every, every, you know, everything looks good. The blood work looks great. Yeah. Um, but you need to, uh, you know, reevaluate kind of your, your stress levels. And, um, you know, I think those are, you know, some kind of angles that pastors need to think about. What would be your counsel, you know, to you, right? Go yeah. back to, yeah you know, 2014 or whatever it was, and, and uh, knowing now what you knew then, what would you say to yourself as you were kind of, kind of, you know, flinchy at all these sort of meetings and things? Yeah. Yeah. I would say get a trusted ear mm. sooner than later. So that, that could be um, another elder that understands and that you really trust. That could be uh, another pastor in town that you have a great relationship with. That could be a mentor. Um, and it, it could be to the level of needing a professional counselor um, that, that you need to process these things with. Because, you know, pastors, we, we have the, the weight of a lot of people's burdens uh, with us. And we do carry a lot of people's burdens. And we, we need someone to help carry ours too. And we need someone to be Galatians 6 to us. When we're Galatians 6 to a lot of people, we need them to come alongside us as well. And so that would be the first thing. If you're picking up on this kind of I would just call it a little bit of fear, um, a little bit of detachment from your church, a little bit of you you just don't want to go to meetings. You don't want to meet with some people. Um, to, if you're identifying the, if you, if you have this automatic reflex when an email comes in or, or you're seeing, you know, two other leaders sitting there, standing there talking and you walk in and they stop talking. If you're, if your reflex is <laughs> to think, Oh boy, they were, they were talking about me. Um, you know, one, get before the Lord and ask him to examine your heart. Uh, you know, show me my heart, Lord, reveal any unclean way in me. So start, start there. And then I would then broaden it to these horizontal relationships. And then it might be after that, that you might need to see your doctor, that you might need, there, there might be some physiological effects going on of something really traumatic. I, I wouldn't be surprised if from 2020 that there are pastors who need to see, seek the help of a medical professional because there are some things that happen in our bodies that we just can't throw a doctrine at it yeah. um, and, and, and fix it. Um, there are some things that we just can't theologize our, our way out of uh, by ourselves, that we need the help of a Christian brother or sister, and, and we may need the help of a medical professional. And, and it could be diet. It could be rest. So that'd be one like thing we should do. Do your best to really Sabbath figure out what that looks like for you and your family and man, turn it off. Uh, have fun with your kids because your kids only have one dad. The church has multiple pastors. Your wife only has one husband. Um, and so minister to them, be ministered by them just by goofing off, buy a Nintendo switch <laughs> and play Mario Kart with your kids. Uh, get a basketball goal, do something to where your brain and your body can just be try your best to be disconnected from pouring yourself out uh, for so many people and, and get energized, get, get filled up. Um, I'd say get more time out of the pulpit if you can and empower more people. So your, your mind and heart can focus on other things. And then the last one, Jared, this is probably the most difficult one. Um, 
I would say run to the tension too as fast as you can. That some of it, it might be, um, you know what, I'm just, I have a wrong assumptions. I'm, I'm thinking the wrong thing here and I need to repent of that. Some of it, this might be an actually toxic, antagonistic situation. And it's not going to get better just by not addressing it. That you might have to widen the circle and talk to the elders and go, we, we have to do something. And like, we have a responsibility from the risen Christ to obey Titus 3.10. Um, that warn a divisive and contentious person once, twice after that, have nothing more to do with them. Like, it doesn't matter if this person is the biggest giver in the church. It doesn't matter if they're well-known in our community. It doesn't matter um, X, Y, Z, any data points we want to fill in that you've, you've got to step in and shepherd people if, because as you've said, yeah, it might just be one, two, five people out of a church, if ever how many, but all it takes is one drop of, a toxic material to spoil a, a glass of milk. And so it's like, well, there's only one eye drop of, of toxic material in here, then I'll drink it still. Like, <laughs> no, we, we, you have to engage. Um, and so, I mean, those are just some of the things I, I would think of uh, immediately. But man, prayer, confession, the, the, the tried and true things that, that work. Um, I remember back in the article where I talked about how I noticed these things and I had to begin really just understanding the gospel in different ways. Um, and that, that, that helped so much, but as pastors, like suffering will just keep coming at you and new things will happen years from now. Uh, something will happen 10 years from now. And so you've got to stay on your toes. Uh, I think that's why Paul says, watch out, mm. um, you know, watch yourselves in Acts 20. Um, and then he he tells Timothy to watch your life and doctrine. And so I, I think a lot of the pastors listening to the FTC podcast, I, most of us, I'm not worried about our doctrine. We're going to be solid or we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to hold to Trinitarianism. I, I think most of us listening are not like, hey, be careful. You're going to slip into heresy next year. That's probably not going to happen. But what could happen is we don't watch our lives. We don't pay attention to the the hitches and, and the reflexes. We don't pay attention to, oh man, I'm actually staying up later and later. Like, man, I'm, I'm getting kind of snappy with my kids. Or, man, I'm neglecting my, my spouse and I'm just trying to answer all these emails and make everybody happy so people will like me. I, I think there's just a lot of different ways that pastors got to try to be in tune with their life and their own holiness and, and see if this church conflict, if this pastoral, pastoral PTSD, how is it manifesting? Because it manifests for everybody in different ways. Yeah. You know, we're seeing sort of the rate of uh, mental health you know, issues increase over the last year and a half and just other things related to, uh, you know, to the pandemic. And so my concern is that we'll have guys who are kind of coming out of this season who really should take some time to, um, you know, do some soul care and to look after yeah. themselves and in all the ways that you just described and, and, and perhaps more, but we'll probably be like, all right, the doors are open. Let's go back to normal. And they just sort of right. jump back into it without taking care, and these things have, you know, have, um, you know, the tendency to reverberate later on and come out in ways. You know, everybody that I know who has burnt out um, didn't really do anything about it until until their le- you know their legs yeah. were cut out from under them. Um, yeah, you can't you get know, out of bed. Yeah, yeah, you you have to either be proactive or you have to be reactive. You know, it's, um, you know, if you you know, hear that, you know, train coming down the tracks at you. It's time to get off. Don't wait until, you get, until you get hit to go, all right, how do I recover 
from this. And yes. so my fear is that we're going to have guys who really just are like jumping back into quote unquote back to normal or business as usual and, and not actually uh, do their due diligence and kind of taking care of themselves and kind of seeing um, you know, how things, you know, uh, need to shape up for the future, maybe even change uh, for the future as well. So I'm praying for yeah. pastors out there. I know you are as well. Um, I, 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 you know, I unabashedly love pastors. I just, you know, I know a lot um, of pastors. <laughs> that sounded weird. So I'm like, I know a lot. I know a lot of pastors is what I think. <laughs> I don't know a lot, but, but I know yeah, a lot both, of pastors. Both are true, Jared. <laughs> I know a lot of pastors and, um, and, and, and I've known pastors who were jerks for sure. But the vast majority of the pastors that I've known, both, um, you know, as a member and just as a, a you know, as a peer, uh, have been, you know, faithful. Um, yeah. you know, godly men who are just doing the best that they can. Um, do you know? Do I agree with every decision that my pastors make? No, but if if things aren't uh, disqualifying, you know, heretical, uh, you know, damaging to the witness of the church, et cetera, um, I, I I learn to keep my preferences just that preferences and not dogma yeah. that other people must. Uh, adhere to, and that would be my advice for um, the average, you know, the average congregant. You can love your pastor by, uh, you know, by praying for him, um, by encouraging him in these ways that Jeff actually just outlined too. Encouraging him to, you know, to make sure, you know, chastise him when he doesn't take his time off. You know, chastise him when he's not, um, you know, you know, doing date nights with his wife. Uh, you know, those sorts of things. Make sure that he's um, tending to to his care because because you want him around a long time. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, you want faithful yeah, you pastors. You want to see him retire. Yeah, yeah, you want to see faithful pastors endure, and 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 we can be a part of contributing to that, brother. Any last words you got for uh, those who are listening on this subject? Yeah, I, last thing I was going to mention, I, I forgot, is you know, a sabbatical. Okay. Yeah. Prioritize a sabbatical. Not not that this is like the skeleton key for for you know, pastor, heal thyself, or or, or anything like that. But I think it is a a helpful practice that guys can can pursue. And so there's lots of resources out there where you can find the articles and, and other ministries to help with that kind of thing for how you can organize a sabbatical. And and I'm sure if you've got brothers in town who can fill in and preach for you, you can train up some other preachers, even if it's just four weeks, uh, but something to spend some time caring for your soul um, to get recharged. Uh, because man, we want to keep serving because we know as Paul says at the end of Acts 20, yeah, we don't account our life as any value. We just, we want to finish our course. And so we've got to care for ourselves, finish the course so we can love our neighbors, our, our nearest church members, love our neighbors, and so we can love God together. Um, so brothers, if you're, if you're struggling and you just know like, man, after this year, I'm, I'm afraid of my church. Um, I'm afraid of what's coming. I'm afraid of my email inbox. Uh, I, I just get a little jumpy when I see certain names and certain things. <laughs> well, the Lord, you know, the Lord knows and the Lord sees. and so. Go to him. Yeah. Uh, he is that faithful. He is that faithful friend that that will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death. Because we know some of our churches that they feel like valleys of the shadow of death. Yeah. Um. And but the Lord's with us, not just on the other side. He's with us in it. Yeah, and he's he's keeping the score. <laughs> That's an encouragement to me. Yeah. yeah, he knows what's up, and and he's going to compensate you for for every tear and every hurt. What a great word to end on. Some good news for those who may be. Um, uh, struggling through this season or seasons beyond. Brother, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, thanks, Jared. It's always always great to hang out with you, man. And I love For the Church and, and Midwestern Seminary and what you guys are doing. So I'm honored, honored to be on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. 
As always, listener, if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends. Give us a good review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.